I'm Justin Bullard. And I'm Ricky Bullard. And we are definitely from the woods. Folks, on this episode, we get to talk to a real good friend of mine. His name's Ryan Solomon. He owns and operates the Gopher Plantation out of Millwood, Georgia. I used to be obsessed with this place, and I went there very often. Me and Ryan became true friends. As a matter of fact, he took me on my first turkey hunt. And from that day on, I was hooked. I shot a big gold phase hook spurred gobbler. I didn't know what I had done at the time, but he tried to explain it to him as best he could. And now, you know, 10 years later, I know how special that day was. We've been we've known each other a long time. He is very knowledgeable, very intelligent. He is the best turkey hunter on the earth, in my opinion. And I've met a lot of turkey hunters. The deer hunting at the Gopher Plantation is phenomenal. It's like a zoo. There, they have quail hunting. They have hog hunting. They have duck hunting. Anything you want. They even have thermal night vision hunting. But I knew when I started this podcast, I wanted to get the most intelligent people and the most wood savvy people that I knew to on, get on and talk about these things. Well, folks, there's nobody more knowledgeable about habitat, wildlife, than this man right here. Ricky and I both hold him in very high regard. As a matter of fact, his name is pretty famous around North Florida, and this guy lives in Georgia. So, folks, without further ado, Mr. Ryan Solomon. Mr. Ryan Solomon, how you doing, Ryan? Doing great, buddy. Good to hear from you. Tell the world about you, where you're from, where you went to college, what you do, what you did. Okay, so I'm small town, South Georgia. Um I was blessed and fortunate enough that my family owns Gopher Plantation, and uh, we run that, and I've been a part of that now off and on 18 years. Um, so most people would ask me college-wise, did you go get a wildlife management degree or, or do something in, in forestry? And I tell them no, it was actually accounting. <laughs> but uh, as soon as I finished my accounting degree, I came back and started guiding and working on the farm, and, and we've kind of grown it into what it is today. And uh, I also had a couple other ventures come along and was lucky enough, fortunate enough to be asked to go out west and guide for a five-year span. And me and the wife went out there and, and had an absolute blast, got to hunt new animals, see new country, and we're back home now for about the past two or three years at Gopher. I tell you what, since you brought that up, let's go ahead and get into that and tell people where you were and what you were doing, because pretty much the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, so um, through Gopher, I, I met some of the guys at Realtree, Daniel Thomas, uh, the producer, and me and him were great friends, and he called me up one day. He said, do you have your beard? I said, well, yeah, I've still got my beard. He said, well, that's all I need. You want to model? I was like, buddy, I... I don't know if I'm model material. He said, look, you're in camo. They're looking at the camo. I said, okay, good enough. So we did the, that was when Max 1 and Max 5 was coming out. And we went and shot the Max 5, the duck camo in Kansas. And then the Max 1 was with Fred Eichler in Colorado. And we were there, oh gosh, I can't remember, four or five days. And me and Fred just hit it off. He's, he's actually a Southern boy like us. He grew up in Gainesville, Florida. So I, I think we had that connection right off the bat. And, uh, you know, he offered me a job to come back this fall or that fall up to 2015 and kind of try things out and see how they went. And, man, we went out on a two-month two, two month trial and wound up staying five years. 
I didn't know he was from Gainesville. I bet most people don't know. Well, I didn't know anyway. Yep. So, so back then he, uh, when he was in Gainesville, he was working at the the Fred Bear Archery Shop there. I I believe. I, I think I'm 99 on that. And a guy from Colorado came in and was shooting in the pro shop after hours and, and told Fred that he would like for him to come out there and run a shop. So he hooked Fred, kind of like Fred hooked me on going out west. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not hard to get hooked. No, not at all. And you had the you had the blessing of being able to take your family with you because most trips I go on, you know, it's just me. And I, but I'm trying to plan more hunting trips now. And the wife's done told me, she goes, the closest city you're at, I'm going to, and we're going to stay in a hotel while you hunt. I said, you know what? I can do that absolutely that i told fred starting out i was like buddy my my wife and my little girl have to come with me i said they're they're first and foremost most important and i said you know well as i do being in this business that that having a wife and family that's that's the number one killer of guys because they just you don't have a lot of spare time especially in the busy season and and fred was a family man and understood it and it was just a great mesh the second year on my wife actually started cooking for the camps so, so it was even better. I got to see her more out there than I do here, believe it or not. And you made some great memories with your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wouldn't, wouldn't take that for anything in the world. Didn't you get to go to South America on a turkey hunt? Yep. So we were, we were in old Mexico. So me and Fred both needed the Gould's turkey, which uh, we hunted in the Sierra Madre Mountains of old Mexico. Wow. Um, and that completed the Royal Slam. And then me and him also needed the, the oscillated turkey that's found in the jungle area, um, the Yucatan, on into Belize, a couple countries in that area. So we both needed that those two birds to finish out our Royal and, and World Slam with our bows. And we went down there and got to complete those together. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Real quick, um, see, that's why I like the podcast. It goes where it wants to go. Uh, what is that oscillated hunting like? That was that was probably one of the coolest hunts I've ever done, ever experienced. So when you think about going to a jungle, you think of this bright green, lush habitat and, and all these sounds and all. And, and we get there and it's it's more dry and arid, like 25, 30 foot canopy. It was still jungle, but it just wasn't exactly what I had pictured in my mind. But as far as the camp, we were living off grid, had generators for power. Um, we had a, a jaguar come into a water hole that we got on stealth cam one night, which was amazing. Um, I even ended up seeing an ocelot, one of the spotted cats, while we were turkey hunting. So that was really cool. And and some of the, the byproduct bycatch, uh, I was able to harvest two Coda Mondays as well as two oscillated turkeys with my bow. So that was that was a really, really neat, neat trip, fun trip. What is a Coda Monday? So that's I wasn't very familiar with them myself. Fred had seen them in Arizona. Um, but best thing I can just, or best way to describe it is this, this monkey slash raccoon looking critter that, uh, that they, they're normally red and they have rings on their tail. And I ended up, uh, taking a gold one, big male, and they oohed and odd over him in the camp. So it, it ended up being a really neat trophy. That is, that is pretty cool, man. Switching gears um so folks you get to hear that part he had a really cool section of his life the other section of his life is is equally cool to to us everyone else uh the gopher plantation can you give us uh how it started and who started it and some some uh, information on the plantation okay so my grandfather benny overstreet 
he bought the first track, I would say, in the 70s. And uh, and it started getting bigger. And, you know, when, when we first started going, when I was a little kid, we uh, we pretty well had free reign, but we were staying in, in a couple of trailers there on, on site there at the old camp. And Grandpa, Benny, he started pouring more and more money into wildlife management and feeding up, and the expenses started rolling in. And he's like, you know what, I think we need to go commercial. So he moved in some old log cabins that were from the area, and these are, are buildings built in the late 1800s to the early 1900s, and we brought them in and restored them. So we have multiple cabins on site. The, the main lodge is about 5,600 square foot, and if I'm not mistaken, it took about 40 buildings just to complete it in two years. But it's, it's, we were able to preserve that history that's so lost in the countryside nowadays. You just you don't hardly see an old barn anymore, old commissary or the buildings, unless somebody has maintained and kept up the roof. And then you'll see that structure kind of standing still. But mm-hmm. it blossomed. And, man, from those early days to what it is now, where we've, we've literally hunted with guys from all over the world, most every state. Like, we... We get a, a bunch of new faces in every year, and then and then like you guys, we've had our repeats that have been with us from the beginning. So it's it's fun to see the new and the old. Oh, buddy, folks, the lodges at Gopher, I would say you go to Gopher fifty percent for the lodging and meals because the food is unreal. Uh, just good old down home country cooking. Like you're you're just as excited to get out of the stand and go eat as you are to get in the stand before you go. And the lodges, when you walk in, the best way I can describe it is it's like when you walk into heaven. <laughs> Log cabin, beautiful wood mounts everywhere. I mean, turtle shells for soap dishes, deer antlers for door handles. It's something you you really have to experience yourself. Yeah, I would say Benny really had a vision when he was trying to restore and and keep that tradition and all that history alive that's, that's kind of been lost. I mean, it's from the turpentine tools all the way through. And, and it's funny you mentioned the, the meals. Me and the wife, this is actually a changeover year where Grandpa's older in age and, and it's time for him. He was ready to slow down a little bit. So I'm taking over all the hunting side and, and running the plantation and the wife will be cooking the meals kind of like what she was doing in Colorado. So it's all our repeat guys have got to watch our family grow. And that's another neat thing is they get to see our kids grow from toddlers all the way up. And, and they're all excited for us and, and happy to, to see what the new, the changing over of the guard is going to bring this next year. And folks, I can speak from experience uh, from the first second I walked in the door, gosh, 12 years ago. You feel like family the second you walk in the door. You don't feel like you're at a lodge. You don't feel like you're at a, at a anything other than you feel like you're at home. Everybody's very hospitable and and just sits back on the porch and sit in a hammock or on a rocking chair and just talk and whatever, drink some sweet tea. And it's truly amazing, guys. Y'all need to check it out. More on the, the actual property. Mm-hmm. How many times have y'all added and what have y'all added? I know there's been a couple do, uh, different land purchases through the years. Right. There's there's whew, between small traits and, and everything that touches us that we acquired, there's quite a few. Um we're we're up to right at ten thousand acres now, pretty well contiguous. We might have a road or a river or something small in between, but that's all for the most part all in the same area. And the neat part about that property is it's sandwiched in between the Satilla River and the seventeen mile river. 
Mm-hmm. So with that, you have all that game moving up and down those river systems, and it's just kind of a little hunting wildlife oasis. I got a buck sitting on the wall behind me in my uh, podcast <laughs> studio that came from, what was that, the Satilla Drain? Yeah, I think it was Bobby's Landing. Golly. That was a good memory. That was yep. a good day, man. I, folks, I've sat in one stand before and saw, I think I counted 87 deer in one sit. It's the closest thing to Texas that you'll get anywhere around here. How many deer, do y'all have like a goal harvest a year for like a habitat standpoint? You know, I, I wish I would done would have done better over the years of doing that, but not really, Justin. We, we, uh, we have a set number of guys that we kind of take each year. And, and like this, this coming fall, I'm going to have a three-day, four-night hunt. And when the cabins are full, like getting back around the lodge and I have 35 beds, but with COVID I've had to switch all that around. So we don't mix parties. Oh. Um, so when I get 10, 12, 14 guys, 15 guys in camp and I feel like all the cabins are, are filled up without anybody being in a mixed party, we cut it off. So I actually looked to harvest even fewer deer this year than before. So with me and the wife, we had to schedule our hunt dates out, but that's also a good thing. So now the deer, and the guys are going to get a, a rest in between the scheduled hunts. So we're all kind of looking forward to that and seeing seeing how that changes and, and deer movement changes. But I wish I had gone in and, and done the camera studies and all that. But to be honest, man, it, over that amount of acreage, back when I used to run cameras, I would get a deer on, on Bobby's Landing, on, on what we call Satilla Track, and then we would shoot him two miles away in a different stand. So it's it's one of those deals that I hardly ever run cameras. So it, it's kind of fun for all the guys, but you don't really know what's going to show up. It's, it's like hunting used to be. That's and, right. and don't get me wrong. I love a camera and it, it, it is an awesome tool, but it's, it's kind of fun not knowing. That's right. Now you get to wonder where the giant is and where he's coming out. And I That's know what right. you're saying. I, I'm, I got a few spots now that I don't run cameras on anymore. I'm just going to say, I'm going to go hunt because sometimes a camera will discourage you too. There's times that I've went and I went, I shouldn't have gone because there was no deer on camera and shot a buck or, you know, it, it, it could, it could really discourage you. Yep. You never know when that transit is going to come through. That's one thing I'll tell guys is that don't, every, what you get on camera, all those pictures, that doesn't tell the whole story of what's going on in that area. Right. Exactly. And folks at the gopher, they have an antler restriction, which is a good thing. It makes make sure that there are a lot of bucks running around and the ones you harvest are big ones and it puts more big ones on the property. That's right. And and I actually added another one to it this year. So it's two out of three. So the first one, he's got to be eight points or bigger. Um, and to be a point, it's got to be one inch or longer. It can be off the beam, off another time, any sticker, drop, whatever counts, as long as they're eight or more. 14 inch inside spread or larger or four and a half years of age or older. So if I have a four or five-year-old six-point that's 15 inches, that's a legal deer. I want him taken anyway, so now i got a happy client and I've got a good buck taken off the property. So. That is an outstanding change to the rules. Outstanding. Yep. I, that's the first I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Folks, I wanted to say, I believe I saw that y'all took a double drop time buck a couple years ago. We did. I, I don't remember all my years now, but yes, we killed a double drop time and had some stickers just really really cool deer this isn't in central georgia alabama mississippi this is just north of waycross georgia it, to have the deer they have and the numbers they have is truly incredible 
that one, one neat story on that buck. I know we're going off down a wormhole, but that's one of the few bucks that primarily lived on my neighbors and came up across the river and, and we got him. I had three different neighbors send me trail cam pics of that deer and, and start telling me that they'd been hunting for two years. And, and one of my guys were the lucky ones that they got to harvest him. So that goes right back to that trail cam issue we were talking about earlier. You know, I've been looking for land in Steen Hatchie over the past couple of years. I'm going to start looking at it for land near the Gopher Plantation. That sounds like a better plan. <laughs> I hear you. When is, uh, when's your best time for the rut in that particular part of Georgia? Because Georgia changes quite a bit within, you know, within hours of each other. Because I know I've hunted in Dublin, and it'd be November 15th, but you hunt in Baxley, and it's November 1st. You got yeah. it. It, it. It varies that much, and literally, but you, you, you hit the nail on the head. 30 minutes to an hour away can be totally different. Um, we, for the most part, are around Halloween, and the rut activity, you will start seeing it in the daylight if, if the weather conditions correlate with that time frame. Mm -hmm. Now, folks, they also have a lot of ag, a lot of big, pretty green fields, and those were my favorite because growing up in Florida, I'm, I'm hunting swamps and pine rows, and then here I, I walk into Gulf Plantation, and they've got fields. What is the big field? 26 acres? Something 26 like acres good memory gosh you can see well yeah you could see forever and and just deer can pop out of anywhere at any time it's how many acres of ag do y'all have i would say 750 to 800 across the whole 10,000 acres and that's multiple ag fields multiple ag fields multiple areas so that's that's the big benefit as you know that's those are big big food pots that <laughs> help old deer throughout the year yeah i found antlers laying in the middle of them things a lot <laughs> you also sell turkey hunts that are pretty phenomenal on this plantation we do and and you know we were the original property in the area to get restocked um back in the 70s late 70s um three gobblers and nine hens i believe i think it was a total of 12 and for the the next 10 years I would say they doubled, and they probably did that, honestly, for the next 30 years. Um, all the way through the late 90s, early 2000s, we had a booming turkey population. And in 2012, we had disease roll through, and it knocked that out about 60% of my adult population. And from that, we cut our numbers way back. And unfortunately, I could book 50 a year, but we limit it, and, and the same guys kind of take those hunts every year. So... They don't let them I would go, love I to be able to offer that, but it's, we, we care about our turkeys. We burn a lot. We put in chufa. We do the right things to try to make sure that when my little man gets older, he'll be able to hear a turkey gobble. So we limit the harvest on them. Do you think that uh, I had a uh, guy on the last episode or a couple episodes back in South Florida, like we'll say big Cypress or another WMA down there that has a lot of cats he said mm -hmm. the turkeys actually do better when there's a lot of panthers. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And he explained it. He said, you know, when you have a lot of panthers on a piece of property, they eat a lot of possums, they eat a lot of coons, they eat a lot of, you know, coyotes and all, all manner of other things. And I was like, wow, I never thought of that. They take away all the predators off that, you know, all the nest predators off that property. That is, that is big because nowadays nobody traps. There's no incentive hardly. Um, there, I've even read a lot of new stuff out that it's almost disheartening that, that, yes, you can trap every predator off your place, but if your neighbors don't, what good have you done? But we still do it. We still shoot them. We still call for them. But 
that's a very, very good point that I hadn't thought of with the Panthers. I, I told that guy, so well, if you, I'm gonna go buy me some Panthers and let them go. <laughs> because <laughs> the way I see it, the golden years of turkey hunting were the '90s. You'd say '90s, early 2000s. Yep. Everybody coon hunted through the '60s, '70s, and '80s. It seems mm-hmm. like all of that that culture was in that age group of people and that that time frame. And of course, that's got to be some kind of correlation. I agree, and and I think another thing is is evolving with the times, like everybody has, is logging. So back back when Grandpa was coming through, they were burning woods. They were keeping them clean because they didn't have the cutout machine that could go through what, like you said, a swamp and log. You had to keep your woods cleaner, and and therefore you had more habitat. So that's that's a big reason for the decline in any wild game is loss of habitat. So it's with the turkeys, we could talk for a couple solid hours about all the theories and alpha toxins and everything else. But it's it, at least Georgia, I will commend them. They are starting to make some changes that I think it's a little too late, but at least they're trying. And there's more and more research going out and, and being spent on the wild turkey. And with them being my passion, I'm, I'm happy to see that. I've, I've killed birds in 19 states so far. I want to get them in all 49 that offer them. And it, it was a, a deal I started back in 04, I think, traveling the, the states to kill turkeys. And with my job, it doesn't allow me to hit a bunch of states every spring, but I try to get in, I try to focus on one area and hunt public ground or either go with buddies. And it's just a neat way to see every state. I tell you, I want to do that myself. But we, Ricky and I have started this this whole show thing now, and it's going really, really well. But we're mainly already thinking about who we're going to have on for turkey season. If you got to promise me to come back on, because you're going to be our star <laughs> witness. Because okay. you think we like deer hunting, but man, our turkey episodes are going to be into it. We love turkey hunting, and the reason I love turkey hunting is because of you. That's the only that, reason. I'll never forget that bird. That was that was quite a hunt, buddy. <laughs> he's still, I, he's still on remember, my wall. If I remember right, did I? I kept trying to talk you into to hunting a turkey and killing a turkey and going with me and, and man I, I just love deer too much out of those corn eaters i said just go with me one time and and that yeah. kind of lit the fire didn't it man i was leaning up against that little sapling you said i <laughs> you said that <laughs> sapling was moving awful lot for somebody who don't like turkey hunting <laughs> i remember that Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm going to stop turkeys there because you're going to come back on in February and we're going to get deep into it. Okay. I'm also going to the convention this year and we're going to shoot a podcast from the uh, NWTF convention in uh, Nashville. That's Um, quite a show. We enjoy going. Well, Jurassic Park. Let's talk about Jurassic Park. Is it still around? Yes, it is. Yep. Now we don't have, so we started getting exotics back in the early 90s. And in 96, seven, they made it illegal for us to hunt them for hire. So we, at that point, were at 350, 400 animals, and they turned into a bunch of cows, livestock. And we tried to get it legalized, like your Florida and Texas and all those other wonderful states that do it. And we had guys on both sides of the board, guys and gals, that were just 100% against it. And 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 I get it, but in our high fence Jurassic Park it was a large enough acreage it wasn't like going in and I want that one seeing him and shooting him oh no way it's 300 acres which is bigger than 
a lot of tracks guys deer hunt every year so i mean it it was a fair chase hunted hunt like we, we were in there on foot so the primary reason for it was for the hogs at that point we didn't have a lot of wild hogs on the place and we wanted it like that so we could focus on deer on the outside and then offer hogs if guys wanted them unfortunately the hogs kind of took off on the outside as much as we supplemental feed every year and now we are just overrun with them but but we do also still offer that spot and stalk hog hunt in jurassic park yeah folks jurassic park what is as you said it's 300 acres mm-hmm. um the first live elk i ever saw in my life was riding around there just looking <laughs> it's like an african safari but from what i understand when y'all fenced it in y'all just left the natural georgia deer there Correct. We we didn't bring any deer in during that entire time. We we fed up the inside, closed the gates, and it was truly amazing to see. Yes, genetics are a, are a big key factor. So is nutrition. But it's amazing what age will do. If oh, you yeah. let a deer get enough birthdays, four, five, six, most guys are going to be tickled to death with him. And and we had some truly blow up in there over over the next four, five, six, seven years and. That, that was kind of neat to see, and, and it proved the point that just let them go, watch them grow. Yeah, it was almost like a lab experiment. Like, you got to see the true full potential of a, a native Georgia deer, or I say native, but, you know, a, a natural Georgia, South Georgia deer. I saw some myself that were, wow. Yeah, 100%. Nothing genetically modified about them, just, just native genetics. Um, Something that y'all st- started recently – they kind of caught on like a craze. Apparently, I heard that you're doing the night hog hunts now. That's got to be yes. fun. Yes. So with the hog explosion, I have a love-hate relationship with the hogs. Right now, when I just, the last two weeks due to rain, it took me two weeks to spray 140 acres worth of food plots for burn down. And a quarter of them, I had to drive through craters Um that, that will jar every vertebra in your back trying to spray across those fields from those hogs. But with the amount that we've had, we have now, I can take guys and, and we fine tune hunting in the woods. So a lot of guys, you know, central Georgia and all, they're so dependent on the planting and the harvest. Right. Where we have it unique. We feed our place year round. So we shoot hogs in the woods or the fields and can guarantee a hog any time of year. Like I've, I've literally, I just had a bachelor party of 11 that came in and they all had a big time and every single guy killed a hog. So that was, awesome. that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Do you still have the, uh, the swamp buggy thing? We do, but it, it's been out of commission. It, that, that was old 50, 50. We took it out and 50% of the time would make it back. 50% it wouldn't. Yeah, folks, they had this, uh, this for lack of a better word, like a, a swamp buggy. It's a plat- yep. elevated platform with big tires that they have in South Florida. And it was literally like being on an African safari, just riding around looking at deer. It was maybe a few cold drinks every now and then, but it was it was great. Absolutely. We, we had the 96 stadium uh, bench seats in it and i can't remember exactly but it's somewhere around 15 total is what it could see but it was <laughs> the 96 olympic bleacher seats it was an awesome <laughs> rig uh switching over y'all have a bread and butter there and that's your quail hunt right yep yep yep, yep. so we that's one thing that makes gopher unique as most other places that you'll google and search in uh in georgia's a man, if he wanted to during the right time of year, could come and experience two or three different 
activities where, where a lot of a lot of the plantations in Georgia, you know, strictly focus on quail, strictly focus on deer, hog. We we do all three. Um, so we now I will say that we tend to start our quail hunts a little later, December, January, February, because we're focused on deer and hogs so much sooner. But um, well, the weather's a lot nicer in December for quail for walking absolutely. around the quail course. Absolutely. You're not sweating it. You're enjoying it. The dogs are loving it. The people are loving it. And it's just the right time to start. <laughs> That's right. How many dogs do y'all have? Do y'all run? We've got about 20. And then I got some wonderful contract guys that, that help me out every year. And we can handle some bigger parties. Like we said, we got a lot of beds and a lot of cabins there at the place. Yeah, it's truly remarkable. One thing I never did was the duck hunt. You have a couple yep. times a year? Yep. We do three hunts and they're scheduled hunts and that can be unfortunate at times. I might have several hundred more birds right before, right after, because they're migratory. But with with our scheduling, as as many guys we have coming through, we set our dates and we we've turned it into a combo hunt. And that's one of those. It's about like my turkey hunt. Those dates don't last long. That's right. Um, but you duck hunt in the morning, quail hunt in the evening. So even if the duck's a little slower, you at least get to experience a good quail hunt. So I'm hoping for some rain to, to fill up some of my ponds and my drains and a little cypress heads where we've been killing ducks the last few years because right now we're dry. Are you? Mm-hmm. We're, we're dry on the place. We've missed a bunch of the rains that went just south of us and went around us. Well, they went just south and got me. I promise you, we got some <laughs> water down here. Yep. Now, folks – Ryan, the, the beauty of Ryan growing up here, he didn't get to hunt the actual plantation much. He hunted the fringe properties and stuff like and some personal stuff. But while Mr. Benny was running the place, Ryan got to hunt a lot. And Ryan has killed some remarkable deer in South Georgia. And you've won a few uh a few uh big buck contests, haven't you? I, I did, got lucky and that's all the guys and back when I was winning those contests, were you hunting down there at Gopher? I said, man, that pays my bills. <laughs> so I, Grandpa I won't let me hunt there. Yeah, the last buck I killed off there was in 09 with my bow. Um, he was a Pope and Young Deer. I killed him off Gopher kind of on one of those edge properties, and that was the last buck I've harvested on Gopher dirt. Is that? No way. I found an antler off one of your deer one time. That, that was him. That, that was him? him. Okay. Yep. I still have that shit. It's and it matches him perfect. He's big bean deer and the end of it sweeps up. Good. You can remember me every time you look at it. That's right. What's your biggest Georgia deer? Oh in the forties. Yeah. For South yep. Georgia, that's a tank. Yep, yep. I I'd normally just chase age if he's if he's where I want him to be at sometimes four but most time five or older that's when i i get after him if he's a six point he's my target deer if he's a 10 well i have a theory i may be wrong about but there's no some there's no such thing as a young cold buck to me because we had a six point in georgia that he got to seven years old i finally killed him at seven years old up in dublin and he was gosh 235 on the hook just an absolute tank of a deer now he wouldn't score nothing but to me that was a trophy i hunted him for two years absolutely i people shooting these little now this is my opinion only but people shooting these little year and a half or two and a half year old bucks i'm like well he ain't got brow tines or he ain't got a g3 or man you don't know what he's gonna do there's no mystery to a big buck a big buck is simply a buck allowed to get some age on him he's allowed to get old yeah unfortunately we aren't set up quite like texas where 
you can kill enough to truly make a difference where and unfortunately in our area um yes you might shoot that buck with no brows or or that one that's a six point this whole life but what about the does tell me which one has that genetic because she's half the equation <laughs> so that's right if you could tell me how to pick out which does aren't going to produce big bucks i'll get on board but I mean, realistically, you let them get the age and they'll be a trophy to somebody. An old deer to me, like you said, an old deer is a trophy. Now, are you, do you still deer hunt? Very little. I hunted four mornings all of last season. I, I was just so busy with the plantation. Now, if I get a trip or where I can, if, if say a good hunt happens in my slower time, I'll try to take off and, and do a hunt somewhere or do an adventure hunt every year. But I, I still love it. I love, I still run cameras at, at the place that I grew up hunting. And when I find one that I can target, it, I just, I like following him all year, even if I can't hunt him. That's, that's just part of the fun for me, or at least or trying to get my wife on him or some of the family. But mm-hmm. unfortunately I don't get to spend as much time in a, in a seat as I would like anymore. Folks, I was at the gopher a lot, a lot of time. And I remember early season bow season everybody's spry and ready to go and all the guides are go 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 you get to them about december and man that waking up at 3 30 every morning and going to bed after the hunters every night i can't i i felt for you our, our big kicker was when we added thermal hog oh so boy seven days a week was rough but when you did one two three four nights a week on top of it that's that's what it got a little tough <sighs> You can weed out the men and the boys. <laughs> That's right. Do y'all have any big persimmon groves there? We've got a bunch of wild persimmons on the place. And one thing I did this past year was planted um, 52 fruit trees. And that was quite an undertaking. I did not do my research like I should have. I bought them <laughs> from a nursery in Indiana. I was super happy with my trees. But when they're coming out of dormancy, we are full-blown summer. So with that drought we were talking about earlier in my rivers and ponds being dry, I had to water those things every two days. Oh, man. So that turned into quite an undertaking. And uh, Armadillo was the reason I lost one of my trees. He dug up the seedling night two. So then I had to go get 52 T-posts, two rows of 330-foot fence, and build fences around every single one of them. And I was going to need to do it anyway for the deer and rabbits and all that, but or hogs but i didn't think armadillo was going to be the first one to kill a tree but so far i've got 50 of them that are still alive what kind of fruit so i've got crab apple persimmon pear and chestnut and i've got them in little groves i've got four groves out i'd actually done some experimenting and with the amount of hogs we got i planted some chufa for my turkeys so i took some plots or, or or pieces of a plot that weren't kind of being utilized for deer um or by the stand maybe and i fenced them out uh, a few years ago and that worked great to be able to plant my fruit trees inside that fence where one i've taken the hogs out of the equation still didn't get the armadillos but all i have to do is worry about the deer and, and the trees getting big enough uh to benefit them so when they start producing fruit and and hard mass we will be able to put a, a bow blind or a ladder stand on those fenced in groves. And that should, should be nice in four or five years. Do you have a lot of uh, bow clients still? We've got a few and, and I've, I've taught the majority of them in the coming during rifle season. So look, if, 
if your main goal agenda is to kill a good deer with a bow, you need to come when he's on his feet the, the most amount of minutes during the daylight hours. So it's, you know, well, as I do growing up in this deep South Georgia, Florida, it's hard to get a four five, six year old deer on his feet. And once he gets hard horn early September, they just, they change entirely hard to get one on a pattern. So I've had some guys shoot some really nice deer in that late October, early November with their bows. So I actually have some plots that I plant and keep that are strictly bow year round. No rifle hunters go into that area. Oh, that's cool. I know I've hunted some absolutely jam up bow spots there. These, mm -hmm. Yeah, these big deer, especially on a place like Gopher, the real true mature big deer, you might get a couple of days at them. You might get a couple of shots at them in the, on the daylight while they're being dumb. Yeah, look at look at me and you running all these cameras for personal use. It shows the the few times he screws up throughout the year. And if you do your mat, do your homework. I, so I hunted four times last year, but those cell cameras changed the game for me. Uh, I went November third, just out of the blue. The Braves won the World Series the night before. I said, "Look, I'm going to sit in the deer stand." <laughs> Knowing my property that time of year, November third, they're chasing. I'm going to an ag field where I can see. 45 minutes after daylight, I killed the biggest deer on the farm, oldest deer on the farm, big eight point. Sweet, my season's done. I don't have any other target deer. I've got some good four-year-old up-and-comers, happy with my season. I was waiting on a deer that I had been getting the last couple of years that didn't live on me, but he would show up right around Halloween, and then he would stay on me the rest of the year. November 4th, the, the next night, he showed up and threw a drop time. I said, oh, boy, so mm. I, I might tag out in Georgia this year. So <laughs> I had him on November 4, November 11, November 16, and then on November 20th, the week or a few days leading up to Thanksgiving, I had him every day, and one of them was in the daylight. And I told Megan, I said, you got evenings, I got mornings, um, and Megan's the wife. I said, you got, you got evenings, I got mornings. We've got to get him killed in this three-day window. And Thanksgiving morning, I actually killed him. So, yeah. Uh, pretty cool megan's a hunter too now ryan is such a good turkey hunter it like leaks over on the megan and ryan's such a good turkey hunter megan's a much better turkey hunter than me too <laughs> just absorb that knowledge she goes out by her didn't she go out pregnant or sometimes she went out and shot two of them oh or yeah, something. I don't yeah. Know. all my buddies like man this is not even fair but it open the weekend she's normally got a bird flopping yeah, and I'm busy with clients, so I'm not with her. <laughs> oh yeah, she does it on her own, folks. She's she's a killer. Uh, your fish ponds. Mm -hmm. Tell us about them. So we've got four that that are right off the 17 mile river. Um, one is a catfish pond, uh, so guys can come in and and play with the big channel catfish, and then the other three are are and there's also brim and panfish in there. But the other three are kind of our bass ponds, uh, speckled perch, and and panfish. And then you got a fish house over there or something, right? Yep, yep. We got a fish house on one of them. So that bachelor party I was talking about, that the, they all thermal hunted. The next morning um, and afternoon, they went out there and, and experienced some of the fishing. So there's a pond house out over the water where guys can get out, out of the sun or whatever they want to do and fish off the docks or fish around the edge or we supply boats mr benny used to have some epic fish fries yep yep that, that man loves his fish he still cooks for a group of his friends every wednesday at 12 o'clock in in nearby town douglas where we're from 
every every Wednesday, 12 o'clock, there'll be 25 to 40 men there. And it's a pretty neat deal. Wow, that is cool. Well, Ryan, you got anything else you want to talk about? I, I went down my list fast. I was excited. <laughs> no, if you think anything else, I'm ready to shoot, but... I can't stress it enough. If you want an absolute great hunt, you want to take your wife, she don't like hunting or whatever, you, you got a family, they can stay in the lodge. This place is five-star across the board, everything you want to do. It sounds like an infomercial <laughs> for the Gulf Plantation, but really, this is my buddy Ryan, and I want to talk to him because I know he knows a lot about hunting and everything else. I didn't want to dive too far into the turkey hunting uh, because I want to get deep into that in February. Okay. But... uh Thank you for listening. Uh, get get you a get you a spot booked up there at the Gopher. You will not regret it. And thank you, Ryan, so much for coming on tonight. You bet, buddy. All right, buddy. Appreciate have a good day. It. All right, bye bye. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Y'all stay with us. This train's going to keep on rolling. I promise you, we're going to have some great episodes, some great guests. You're going to learn some stuff, and so are we. Thanks again.